biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Esports Pod. It's Rachel here in the studio with Jacob, finally returning from his multitudes of traveling. Uh, Jacob, we talked before the podcast and you said you wanted to kick things off with something a little personal. Yeah, so on social media, I've been a little outspoken over the last couple of days. It's uh, been a, a rough couple of days and I, you know, I thought I'd deliver a little bit of a message. So, um, last Wednesday on Valentine's Day, uh, my best friend Connor Steele, a music industry veteran and a budding game developer, took his own life. Um, for some background on Connor, he and I had worked together in the music industry for over a year. Uh, he met me in probably one of the lowest parts of my life. Uh, right after I made a mistake that without his help, I probably would have been pushed out of the music industry. Um, he kind of accepted me for who I was and, and helped me bounce back from that mistake. And and really was just a, a really good friend through a lot of um, the struggles I went through as a, a later teenager. Um when I got the job at Daily Dot uh, for esports, which is ultimately what gave me the portfolio to work here at ESPN, uh, my time commitment really kind of shifted away from the music project we were working on. And, you know, I would expect that most people at that point would look out for themselves and, and dissuade, uh, dissuade me from doing so. Um, he was actually the complete opposite. Uh, it was very encouraging. And um, he wanted me to be more happy uh, than himself. And so uh, he was there for for me when I needed it. Um, but on Valentine's Day last week, uh, a day that's meant for telling other people's uh, or telling other people how much you love them, uh, he didn't have somewhere there for him. And um, mortality is real. People are not forever, but great friendships are. And he knew I loved him, uh, but I wish I would have been able to tell him that one last time. Um. I say all this to encourage those that listen to this podcast uh, to tell those that you care about uh, you love them because one day it may be too late. And I, I really wish I would have gotten that opportunity. Well, I'm sure he would be extremely proud of where you are today, Jacob. Um, really sorry for your loss, but um, yeah, you, that was really well said. Uh, but moving on to our podcast segment of the show, uh, today we're going to be talking about sports gambling and more importantly, the legalization of sports gambling in New Jersey, or rather the conclusion of the Christie versus NCAA, uh, which is a dispute between state and a coalition between the NCAA and other major sports orgs. This case has been open for almost five years and the su- Supreme Court has a schedule of when it releases its decision. So for sports gambling and specifically, we're likely going to find out on March 5th whether or not it's been legalized in the United States. Um, anyway, a bunch of New Jersey officials are telling businesses to put in an application for gambling licenses before the decision is reached, which is interesting and points to a likely um, scenario where sports betting is legalized. Uh, now, the sports encompass esports in this case. I think that's another conversation to be had, but I think this is a good time for us to revisit what gambling and esports or esports betting look like in 2017. And I'm sure that's something you're pretty well versed in. Yeah. So I, I think I kind of want to start this with gambling has a, an odd stigma. Really. I don't think that it should have that, that sort of stigma as long as it's legal and it's done through proper means. So I think when you do sports betting, whether that be in Vegas or Atlantic city, I think that's more than, than fine. 
Unfortunately, in esports over the last couple of years, uh, there's been this really harsh stigma because none of it's ever really been legal. And because of the laws that exist in the United States, it's not been uh, legal to bet in the U.S. You see that it's happened a lot, particularly in games like Counter-Strike and Dota, where they have skins that have an open API for the games themselves, where these skins that you can buy are used essentially as buying gambling chips and or winning gambling chips. And... Um, I think that's why that stigma exists. They had finally opened, I believe it was last year or the year prior, they they had opened their first lines in 2016 for uh, gambling on esports events legally in Las Vegas. There were several different events. Uh, I believe I Am Oakland 2016 was the first one where you could actually bet at a sports book in Vegas on esports. And Vegas has started to grow, although I think it's slowed down a little bit, but Vegas has started to grow its culture around esports and try to attract more esports people as an event hub as well. And so I think this will help all sides of sports, particularly in Las Vegas, as you see someone like the Raiders moving their operations there and moving to their stadium in the future. But I think it will also be pretty big for esports as well. We've had esports events in Vegas. Evo is there every single year. And I think that the stigma should go away as long as it's it's legal. But there's definitely been a lot of complications over the last few years around gambling and esports. And I think on the flip side that you see this really shady underbelly in esports betting where there is no regulation and, you know, these websites are not legitimate. And I feel like the stigma should go away because the alternative is that young kids are betting money on, you know, these illegitimate websites and they could just potentially lose all their money. Yeah, we had a story in the end of 2016 uh, or beginning of 2017, rather, uh, called... um, trying to remember the specific headline on it uh but it was the the espn the magazine story that was with sean azale and i and david lubers and it was about a a kid who had spent several thousand dollars then had four cents left in his account at the end of it and it was all his parents credit card money and had uh used his allowances and and other things and and he i believe is very much uh the reason we we chose him in that piece from everything I remember was because he was very representative of what we understood the culture to be around that in the sense that these children are becoming addicted to gambling at like 13, 14, 15 years old, which is nuts because there is no regulation and there's not even back then there wasn't any age restrictions on some of these. Um, you know, there were sites like CSGO Wild that said uh, 13 plus. It's like, no. And gambling is like any other addiction in the sense that uh it's something you, you become hooked on and you have to get professional help to kind of get out of it, you know, whether that be therapy or or I guess therapy is kind of like the rehab for that sort of problem. And um, it really requires a lot of sensitivity around it, which is why it's regulated uh, for adults and regulated for people over the age of 21 in most places, because it really is a, a difficult thing to talk about you need to know the consequence of your action which you don't always quite understand and comprehend the younger you are it's it's you're not as wise enough to do that i would even argue that 21 is a little young as well um but i i think that the history that's existed for those that are unfamiliar is really some of these websites your egbs your csgo lounges dota 2 lounges and csgo wild csgo lotto and these others you know it's essentially a slot machine for a lot of these kids or um in the sense like a uh Why am I forgetting the name of this? Uh, A roulette. And, you know, you put in your skin and it it rolls around. And if your coin is selected, you win all the skins that were put into the uh, pool. That were won into Mm -hmm. the pool. Yeah. So, um, or you win equivalent value to those. Really, it 
it's been very dangerous, and I think Valve really put their foot down and sent out a bunch of cease and desist, and a lot of these places have halted operation or really changed their business model to be something else. Right. So... And I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, Bryce Blum, the esports lawyer on Twitter said something interesting, which is will teams will need to put in their contracts, you know, players cannot bet on XYZ. And I think that's a good point to bring up because, you know, you have people like Floyd Mayweather who like bets money on his own fights and himself. Yeah, the I buy power story is probably the most jarring thing to ever happen in esports. It's definitely up there on the list of things that the consequence was so big and so well publicized. And for the context on the story on those that listen, because I know we have listeners that have not been in esports for that three year, four year range. Uh, the best North American Counter Strike team in the world, I buy power. This was back before Counter Strike Global Offensive really had these heavy tens of thousands of dollars a year or tens of thousands of dollars rather a month salaries that now exist in Counter-Strike. These players were making essentially nothing, even though they had a sponsor. And they bet against themselves and then threw an online match that didn't really have much consequence for them losing that match. And Richard Lewis and the Daily Dot reported on a lot of this. Valve validated those reports and banned these players for life alongside a couple other players, too, internationally. But the I by Power players were definitely the most known because of their streaming um, streaming personalities that eventually became after that, and uh, it, it's in that case one of them was was underage. I believe when that happened, he was fifteen or sixteen years old. I think he's now eighteen or nineteen. Um, his name was Swag, and uh, he's really probably been the largest part of this discussion because, um, again, not knowing your consequence nearly as much. And I've talked to a lot of those players that that happened to them, and they're still banned for life from majors, which means that they can't ever play in a large Counter-Strike, major Counter-Strike event, like the actual designation. Right. Um, And with these bigger prize pools and, you know, higher salary, I hope that that's a preventative measure from match fixing, because I think that's one of the main arguments people have against gambling in esports, which is, you know, these players get paid nothing, so they really have no incentive to really compete when they can be earning so much more money by just fixing a game. Right. And it's, you see what's happened in StarCraft with Life and, and other people right. as well, as they weren't pay, being paid much much money when they match-fixed as well. And a lot of the other rumors of match-fixing, that was always the case. We haven't heard a lot in the last couple of years. And um, I do think as a preventative measure, it is good to put that in a player's contract. To prevent them from betting, period. I would, I would say, not even against themselves, just at all. I, I would not let them bet on their own sport. I think that's just a bad idea. Um, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so I, I think that it's important that the esports community responds to this when, if this is legalized, which I fully expect. Um, and yeah, I think it's important that that happens too. So yeah, I just to give people some context. It's estimated that the global esports betting market will be worth nearly $30 billion by 2020. And, you know, I'm going to jump to the NBA really quickly because they've really been pushing for the legalization of sports gambling and Adam Silver sort of leading this charge. And he's asking for 1% of the total profit that's bet on NBA games. I mean, do you think we'll see something similar in esports with game devs dipping their hands in the proverbial honey jar? Or do you think game devs are content with letting these ecosystems grow on their own? To be honest, I think Blizzard and Riot in particular really do not like gambling, period. But I think that's part of the stigma that has existed in how it's worked in other games like Counter-Strike and Dota. 
and really right. how poorly managed it's been. If it legalizes, I think there will be conversations about how that works because they do have to provide a license um, to many of these events. And the, then the events have to provide a license to uh, provide a license to the, the gambling houses or to the sports books. So I understand and I actually kind of agree with what Adam Silver is doing personally, because I think that fan engagement goes up really, really large in uh, when betting is a thing. So Counter-Strike was, is actually an interesting case study with that because Counter-Strike got a lot of viewership when it was at its gambling peak, right, even though it was illegal gambling. And it's actually maintained even though gambling has gone away. So it's it's weird to argue, but I do think that just generally large events will, will get more fan engagement. Like, look at all the people that rather uh, – look at all the people that rather – bet on like the Super Bowl even though they don't ever watch an NFL game at right, all except yeah. for the actual Super Bowl. Right. And imagine that with like the NBA finals and which does happen and imagine that with esports events, you know, inter- the international, the League of Legends World Championship, uh, the Counter-Strike majors twice a year. Like if if it is legalized and they are a part of these sports books, I think it could be a really good thing too because it gets people engaged in esports that necessarily don't care the rest of the year. Right. And it's interesting That's good for everybody too. Right. So. It's interesting that you bring up these big events because I actually have a number for the Super Bowl. Four point six billion dollars were bet illegally on during the Super Bowl, which is insane. Like that's just an economy in itself. So Think you, about how many side bets there are, right? Like you right. that you make on the Super Bowl. Like just with your friends, I bet you twenty dollars the Eagles are gonna win. Like it's it's Yeah, and there's even happens. even sillier ones. Like I remember uh, during Beyonce's halftime show, people were betting, like, are we going to see Destiny's Child on stage? You know, th- that kind of stuff. It's just, even the peripheral bets just garner so much traction and money. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that if they're legalized, that's, um, I think that it's okay, as long as it's done through legal means. And I think the, look, there there's negative and positives to everything. The negative is that uh, a lot of these businesses use this to undermine things uh, and to take advantage of these people that like to bet and to take advantage of that money opportunity. The positive is that it regulates it from being done by people that don't know better or that don't understand consequence because gambling does have consequence and that's potentially losing all your money. But, right. Yeah. You know, no sense of budget or financial uh, financial. Well, what's the word? I guess like. Uh, management and managing your finances and not blowing it all on gambling. So, um, <laughs> yeah. no, that, was, that was the problem in Counter Strike was that there were people that didn't quite understand that because they're immature. So, mm-hmm. um, I really think that this will provide the opportunity to, uh, to have a good conversation about betting in, in the esports sphere. Right, absolutely. So, we're going to go to break in a second, but if you have time, you can leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and let us know how we're doing. You can also tweet us your thoughts at Rachel Youngu and at Jacob and Wolf. And if you find us in the ESPN app, be sure to subscribe to us and we can send an alert whenever we have a new episode. Hey, everyone, we're back with the podcast. So, Jacob, let's speculate for a second. Um, what are some of the concerns that you think we'll have with the legalization of sports slash esports betting? I think the game developers will be really worried about how it makes them look. I think like unlike, they're endorsing gambling. Right, right. Yeah. So I think that uh, more so in esports than traditional sports, and this is why you see media have problems as well, which have been very outspoken about lately on social media, uh, is that game developers come 
from exactly that, the games industry. And the games industry is so much more about how you look. That's because it's tech, right? So a lot of these game developers, although some of them now, like Activision, Blizzard, and Riot, and Valve, don't have investment, they remember the times where they did, and they had to worry about funding. People don't like funding things they don't, uh, like, they don't morally agree with, I guess, Mm -hmm. in, in the tech world. And so they come from this perspective of anything that you write negatively about us, in the case of media, anything you write negatively about us can infect, affect the way that we raise money and therefore mm-hmm. potentially put their company out of business. It's a huge concern in, in games media. Right. And, it doesn't and, help that their demographic is just so young and impressionable. Right. And games PR. So it's a huge, it's a huge deal. Right. Now, in the case of gambling, I could see that being a, a big topic of discussion is how does this look for us? And I, I think it's just generally silly, and I think that some of these companies need to mature anyway, because they are these big conglomerates that are owned by Tencent and Activision and all these huge companies that, are like, they're not going to get cut off tomorrow because somebody wrote a bad story. It's way past that point at, at this point. They're not trying to raise, like, a startup anymore. So I am thinking that there will definitely be a lot of, a lot of discussion around how does this make us look because they still haven't moved past the optics of how things look for them rather than necessarily it doesn't matter anymore um so i think that's a huge discussion it's like if we allow people to bet on league of legends or overwatch how does that make us look and some people will care more than others i think some people might just be hands off like valve we'll see um curious what they have to do after their whole crusade against illegal gambling sites. Right. I I feel like we should give some context for that first. Um, Yeah. So really quickly to summarize it. So in 2016, there was a lawsuit filed by a player against the owners of all these gambling websites and Valve for being complicit in allowing these young kids to gamble on CSGO skins. And after that, Valve sent a cease and desist letter to a lot of these websites telling them to shut down their operations. So. Yeah, Counter-Strike Gambling was such a, a huge publicized thing in 2016. Uh, that It came out that Phantom Ward, and he actually just recently sued Twitch around his band, um, and that's an open lawsuit, came out that Phantom Ward was the owner of a Counter-Strike site that he didn't uh, disclose that he was doing so, uh, yet simultaneously promoting said gambling website. Same thing with T. Martin and Syndicate, the other YouTubers. And you, These people understand what their fan base is. They understand that these are kids and young preteens and that don't understand those consequences either. They don't care. They exploit them. And that's really been the why there was so much backlash is how could you exploit that fan base knowing what they are. Um, and so Valve had to... I think Valve almost had no choice except to go on that crusade. Um, and so... I think there's still a lot of scars, I guess, from what happened in 2016 and early 2017. And I'm really curious how that affects 2018 and the legal conversation of that, because there is that stigma still. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So ultimately, now that we've touched upon some of the negatives, do you ultimately see esports betting or the legalization of it as a good or bad thing for esports as a whole? I think it's a good thing. As long as it's done right. Like, I, again, I think it's fan engagement is going to really grow. Right. Um, particularly on the big events of the year once people get that. I think it's going to be a new way to expose esports to people that don't normally watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely people that, like, hover sports books in Vegas and just For bet sure. on whatever. Right? Yeah. Like, um, it's almost 
It's so funny when you think about it in esports and tech because tech is almost the same way except it's venture capital. You invest in so many different things and hopefully the one that you invest in or one of them pays off and usually it makes you all the money back that you lost in the other ventures. That's how venture capital works and that's how so many of these people in esports uh, look at this opportunity as well. It's hilarious to think that betting is almost the exact same way. Let me bet on all these lines and then one is going to hit and make me all my money back plus more. And it's it's almost identical circumstance, except one is is investment funding and the other is betting, and so that's kind of ironic. Um, right. So I, I think it's a positive. I think that fan engagement will will grow as a result of uh, legalization of sports betting and it transferring over to esports. Assuming developers are okay with it, I think we got. Right, I think the next yeah. step though, after the legalization, is convincing the developers it's okay. Right. Also, full. For the game devs to have full regulation and autonomy is way better than the alternative, which is just illegal betting. Um, But more importantly, you're turning 21 soon, so will we see you betting on anything? Uh, I actually don't think I'm allowed to bet on uh, sports stuff because I work here, at least not in my my purview. I remember that I used to to, uh, do daily fantasy esports stuff and kind of as a side gig uh, a couple years ago for fun. I made money off of it. Uh, I was told when I got here I could not no longer do that, so I don't think I'll be betting on esports stuff. So, Interesting. No esports betting for me. I might gamble, but not esports betting. <laughs> so all right. The whole the whole idea of that though, from the integrity perspective, cause so everybody doesn't think we're just weird, is that um, I find out about scrims and stuff uh, pretty frequently. So the the fear is that I have inside information that would allow me to bet with inside information. That would do it. Yeah, so I'm not supposed to be doing that. So I don't. Never mind, then. We can just pretend I didn't ask that question at all, Jacob. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all we have for the podcast today. Thank you all for joining me. For more esports content, check out ESPN.com slash esports. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Rachel Youngu and at Jacob and Wolf. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.